Good morning, church. It's great to see you. My name is Jeff Hughes, and I serve here at Union Chapel as one of the pastors. And I'm so excited that you joined us here this morning. You know, thank you for emerging from your turkey coma. You know, I know it was hard for some of you this morning to roll out of bed, and maybe it's the first thing you've done in a few days, had a few days off of work, and all you've done is lay around and stuff yourself and watch uh, too many football games, right? I know that doesn't describe anybody here in the house this morning, but we're glad that you're here. We're kicking off a brand new series, as you just saw in that introduction video, called These Are a Few of My Favorite Things. And many of you across the room here this morning are probably familiar with the Julie Andrews song from Sound of Music, of course. I just saw this week that they're re-releasing that, and next week there's going to be a live performance of that. So great timing for us to be kicking off this These Are a Few of My Favorite Things series. But I, I thought that I might start this message this morning by sharing some of my favorite things. But I, I will let you know that this list does not include raindrops on roses or whiskers on kittens. And just to warn you, there are no bright paper packages tied up with string. But these are a few of my favorite things. Here they are. One of the most important things to me is family. I love my family. This is a picture of my son, Dakota. He just turned two. My wife, Hannah, and I have been married for 11 years, and uh, we have family all, all over, some in Indiana, some in Oklahoma, some in Texas, but I love family. It's one of my favorite things, especially as my son grows up. We spent quite a bit of time together during this last week just hanging out and having fun, and I love family. It's one of my favorite things. Well, this next one may seem a little odd to you because uh, we live in Indiana, but I actually love sunshine. Anybody else love sunshine out there? Yeah, I love it. Uh, especially on a day like today when it's a little cold, it's a little crisp out, but something about just the sun deciding to emerge from the clouds does me a lot of good. It helps me get out of bed. It helps me get out of the house. I love it. You know, maybe I have a vitamin D deficiency as well. That might be a reason why I love sunshine, but it's one of my favorite things. Well, the last of my favorite things that I'll share with you for now is a bit of a confession. You see, this is me when I was 18 months old right here eating a package of Oreos as an 18-monther, uh, I still to this day love Oreos. It doesn't matter if they're double stuffed, triple stuffed, quadruple stuffed, or even just stacked with whatever's in the middle. You know, they just came out with a new Oreo. At least it's new to me. It's a peanut butter stuffed Oreo. It's the closest thing to sin that you ever want to get into. A peanut butter stuffed Oreo is amazing. Now, we're not selling those in the cafe this morning, but we probably could make some money if we were. But I'll eat any kind of Oreo. My favorite is those peanut butter ones. Man. But, you know, greater than, than my favorite things, uh, have you ever thought about what a list of God's favorite things might look like? What God's Christmas wish list might look like? That's a challenging question, isn't it? That, that God might actually do as we do and kind of pencil down a Christmas wish list of his favorite things of things that he loves to see in our lives and around our world. You know, my hunch is that our Christmas wish list that we make probably looks quite a bit different than what God's Christmas wish list looks like. But the, the greatest story ever told tells us there are some particular things that he loves, that he keeps an eye open for. And over the next few weeks through this, these are a few of my favorite things. We'll be exploring some of those things and looking at how we can join him in what he is already doing. Well, as we dive into this message titled, God Loves Faith-Filled Steps, I want to ask you to grab your Bible and make your way to Matthew chapter 14. 
Or if you are using your iPhone or Android device, make your way to that Bible app and open it up to Matthew chapter 14. You heard earlier in our announcements that Uversion has just released that Bible app for kids. And I will tell you that I've got that on my phone and iPad. I downloaded it. It came out on Thursday of this week. Downloaded that, sat down with my son Dakota, who's two, and we went through the story of creation, through what God did for us that's, that's written out in Genesis. And it's in video format, and you just hit the next button, it goes through and reads it to you and shows pictures and video. Phenomenal way to help young kids grab a hold of, of the truth of the Bible. And one of the things that we're about, one of our, our values here at Union Chapel is, is to help people dive into the Word of God. And so I encourage you, if you've got a young one, a young child or a grandchild, download that and sit with them and go through those stories together because it's a compelling thing. Well, as you make your way to Matthew chapter 14, let's stand to honor the reading of God's word. We're going to look at chapter, 20, or chapter 14, verse 22 to 33. Follow along with me as I read. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get out, get out into the boat and go ahead of him onto the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up onto a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. May God open our ears and our hearts to what he has to say to us this morning. You may be seated. Pastor John Ortberg has a famous book entitled, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. What a great book. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And in it, he tells a story of his first and only hot air balloon ride. His wife had given him this hot air balloon ride as a birthday present, and they invited another couple to go along with them on this adventure. And early that morning, as the pilot began the ascent over the Conejo Valley in Southern California, the air was crisp and clean and clear, well, as clear and clean and crisp as California air would be, and they could see the entire valley from vast canyons to the deep blue Pacific Ocean. It was a majestic and awe-inspiring moment. But they also experienced an emotion that day that they were not expecting, fear. They'd always thought that those baskets that were underneath the hot air balloon were about chest high or higher, but this one only came up to their knees. One good lurch, and they realized they would be overboard. So they held on with with white knuckles and grim determination to that basket. After several minutes, Pastor Orberg decided that he should get to know this pilot that they had entrusted their lives with. He, he realized this, this uh, moment they had placed their lives in the hands of this man they did not even know. So Orberg decided he would ask him, what do you do for a living? And he was quite shocked. You see, he was hoping the guy would say something like, well, I'm a teacher, or I'm an astronaut, or something like that. 
He knew they were in trouble when the guy's response started like this. Dude, it's like this, man. (laughs) Turns out the guy didn't even have a job, and he mostly surfed. The reason he started flying these hot air balloons because he'd been driving around in his pickup truck after having too much to drink. He got into a crash, badly injuring his brother. His brother couldn't get around very well still to that day. And so watching these hot air balloons around California gave them something to do. By the way, the pilot added mid-conversation, don't be alarmed if things get a little choppy on the way down. You see, I've never flown this particular version of this balloon You can imagine the fear in their eyes in that moment. Orberg's wife flashed him one of those looks. Now men, maybe you have heard about this look that some wives flash their husbands in a moment of distress. Maybe you've heard about this. I'm sure you've never seen one. But it was as if to say, you mean to tell me we're a thousand feet up in the air with an unemployed surfer who started flying hot air balloons because he got drunk crashed his truck, injured his brother, and now he's not sure how to get this thing down? (laughs) Oh, man. Just then, the wife of the other couple looked at John Ortberg and spoke the only words that anyone said the rest of that flight. She said, you're a pastor. Do something religious. (laughs) So Ortberg said, I took up an offering, right? (laughs) Every day, you and I head out on another leg of this journey that we call life. The fact is, we only get one trip, and we long to take this trip with a spirit of adventure, don't we? We long to to fly high and to have a great adventure of following God, but sometimes this ride of life can be a bit unnerving, can't it? It's easy to get anxious, whether you're riding in a hot air balloon or if you're starting with a new boss at work or maybe approaching retirement. The real issue is the dependability of the dude who's doing the flying. Can we trust the pilot? Can we confidently place our destiny in his hands? Well, through the course of this brief message this morning, there's three things that you need in order to take these faith-filled steps that God longs for us to take. God loves to see us take these. The first thing you'll see this in your outline is God wants us to take a second helping of faith every day. A second helping of faith every day. Now, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I would imagine across this room this morning, there's some of us who took some second helpings of food through this Thanksgiving week. I'm sure that happened. I know it did at my house. But God wants us this morning to take a second helping of faith. One afternoon, Peter and his friends get into a fishing boat to cross the Sea of Galilee. Jesus stays behind to pray. There's some clouds forming in the west, but but Peter doesn't give it a second thought. He's a fisherman after all. I mean, he's seen just about anything the Sea of Galilee could produce, right? Well, pretty soon a major storm erupts. It's no minor squall that day, and their fishing boat is battered and bashed by the wind and the waves all over that ocean. When it gets bad enough, they start wishing that the sides of their boat were a little higher and that the wood was a little thicker. In fact, to be honest, they fear for their very lives. They're panicking. Suddenly they notice a shadow that's moving across this water, not too far from them, but as it gets closer, they they realize that this shadow is actually a person walking across the top of the water. So on top of their fear, now they're confused. They they can't breathe, they gasp. Is it a ghost? Is Is this a premonition that they're going to die? In hindsight, we we may wonder how they could have failed to see 
that this was Jesus. I mean, right? It's Jesus. We all know that. We've read the story. But I think we know why in that moment they couldn't see Jesus clearly. You see, it takes eyes of faith to see Jesus. It takes eyes of faith to see him. You have to be looking for him. And in the middle of life's storms, battered by waves and wind and battered by the disappointment, we miss Jesus all the time, don't we? You know, other people might look at our lives and say, well, how do they not see Jesus in that? It's because we're looking at our storm when we need eyes of faith to see Jesus. I want to put this up on the screen for you. You see, not only does it take eyes of faith to see Jesus, we need a second helping of that faith to take steps in his direction especially as he's calling us to walk upon the water. I love what author Corey Ten Boom says about faith. She says this, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Many of us all across this room have an unknown future. We're not sure what's next. We're not sure what a year, five, ten years holds for us. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I love that. In the Gospel of Mark's version of this story, he describes Jesus' actions using this verb that means to pass by, to pass by. It's a verb that shows up other times in the Bible as well. You see, God puts Moses in the cleft of a rock. He puts Moses in this cleft of a rock so he can see God's glory passing by. God tells Elijah to wait in a cave because the Lord is about to pass by. These are literally stories of of God's appearance, and this storm is another one of these examples. You know how how it works. God uses these life events to get our attention. A burning bush, a violent storm, wind and, and fire, or maybe a little closer to home, God uses the loss of a job, the illness of someone that we love, or bitter disappointment. We find ourselves hanging on with, with white knuckles and grim determination, and we begin to wonder, can we trust this pilot of ours? Does he know what he's doing? Well, to help the disciples learn to trust, Jesus decides that it's time for them to get to know him a little bit better. He says, it's like this, dudes. He reassures the guys, you can trust me. You can place your safety and your destiny in my hands. Don't be afraid. You see, what happens next is truly remarkable. Put yourself in in Peter's fishing boots for just a moment. As Jesus passes by, you have this tiny flash of insight into who he is. Wait a minute. I I know him. I know that guy. You get caught up in the moment. You feel like doing something bold, maybe even trying a little water walking yourself. But at the same time, you're scared to death, right? Because common sense says stay put. Stay in that boat. You can't walk on water. So what's it going to be for you this morning? The boat or the water? I'll tell you, the boat is much, much safer. (laughs) The boat is safe, right? We know that. The water is rough. It's unpredictable. Maybe even scary at times. Only one thing is certain, though. If you want to walk on the water, you've got to get out of that boat. You know, I believe that there is something inside of us. Truly, it's someone inside of us. Who's, who's telling us that there's more to life than, than sitting in that boat, saying there's more to life than living comfortably, than, than minimizing our risk and avoiding failure. 
Did you hear that? There, there's more to life than living comfortably, minimizing risk, and avoiding failure. God is calling us to something deeper, to something bigger. Isn't it true? There's, there's a part of that in each and every one of us that, that longs to walk on the water, to just leave behind what is comfortable, to leave behind the routine existence of life, and just abandon ourselves to this high calling of following God, no matter where he may lead. Man, you know, I believe that exists in each and every one of us. You know, maybe it's been a while since you've dreamed. Maybe it's been a while since you've thought about what it would be like to get out of the boat and to launch out into the water following Jesus. Maybe those dreams are from days gone by. I challenge you to dream. I challenge you to look to Jesus and see what he's calling you to do. It's not time to give up. It's not time to to rest comfortably. It's time to see where Jesus is walking on that water. Get up, get out of the boat, and go to him to take those steps of faith that he longs for us to take. But you have to have eyes of faith to see and recognize Jesus. It takes eyes of faith. So do you have those eyes of faith this morning? Do you have eyes of faith to see Jesus and recognize him? You know, maybe you see him, but you need a double dose of that faith in order to take a step in his direction. Well, my prayer for each and every one of us this morning is that that God would increase our faith, that he would give us a second helping until our plate is full and overflowing. Well, the second thing you need in order to take these faith-filled steps that God longs to and loves for us to take is to walk his way. He wants us to walk his way. You know, people often refer to the Christian life, our relationship with God, as a walk with God. Well, why a walk? You see, this terminology is used because ultimately, following God and having a relationship with Him is a series of steps. One foot after the other. One foot after the other. Think of a child's first steps when they're learning to walk. It takes lots of practice, but, but with, over time and without, of course, with stumbles and falls along the way, they, they begin to walk. Before you know it, they're running, and then they're climbing things, and then it's too late. You can't even keep up with them. The Christian life is the same way. We take steps. We follow what God wants. We take our first step of, of trusting in Jesus and saying, you know what, I can't do this life alone. I need Jesus. I need a Savior. I need to follow him. I need to make him number one in my life. You know, what I, what I love about God is that God will meet us right where we are, Yet he'll also challenge us to take one more step closer to him. And so it doesn't matter where this message finds you this morning. There is a step that you need to take to be closer to Jesus and to be doing the will of God for your life. You need to walk his way. Well, sure, sometimes we take three steps forward and one step back along the way. We stumble and fall along our walk. But what I love so much about God is on this journey, he'll pick us up. He'll dust us off, brush us off, and keep us going. Whatever spiritual step you need to take this morning, be encouraged that God will give you the endurance and grace along the way. You know, something else I love about this story is I love the fact that Jesus was found on the waves in that storm that day in Galilee. He was found on the waves. He wasn't sitting in the boat telling Peter to leave the safety of that that boat and walk on the water. He was standing in the middle of the chaos and the hectic waves that were tossing and turning. And you know, we find great hope in this because that's exactly where you'll find Jesus in your life as well. In the chaos, in the mess, among the wind and the waves. 
among the storm. He doesn't sit far away from us and call the shots of your life and mine, sitting comfortably from heaven saying, do this and do that. No, he lives in the turmoil. He lives among us in the challenges that you and I face every single day, in the day-to-day grind of work and shopping trips and two-year-olds. God lives among the chaos. And among it all, he says, follow me. Follow me. Take another step. Follow me. Walk this way. I want you to check out this quote on the screen from Mike Iaconelli. He authored a book called Messy Spirituality. Check this out. He said, accepting the reality of our broken, flawed lives is the beginning of spirituality. Not because the spiritual life will remove our flaws, but because we let go of seeking perfection and instead seek God, the one who is present in the tangledness of our lives. Don't you love that? We seek God, the one who's present in the tangledness, the brokenness of our lives. We don't have to have it all together. We can be messy. We can be imperfect. We can be screwed up. And in the middle of that messiness, God accepts us. He loves us. And he walks upon the waves of our lives. Isn't it encouraging that God will meet you in the mess of your life? You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. God will guide you to something greater and something deeper. And the good news, church, is that that greater thing, that deeper thing is a relationship with him where you put all your faith, all your trust in him and you take a step followed by another step followed by another step. I love what the Bible says in Psalm 37, 23 and 24. It says this way, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. So what step is God asking you to take? What does walking his way look like for you this morning? Here's what I know. The next step that God is asking you to take is hard. It's hard. It's the tough relationship where God is asking you, not the other person, to give a little more effort. It's the person that God has been asking you to talk to about coming to church, but you're afraid. It's the sin that you've struggled with for years, thinking there's no hope that God wants you to surrender today. It's the commitment you're being led to make that will require a whole deeper level of sacrifice. You see, the next step that God is asking you to take is very hard. And the reason that I know that is because you haven't taken it yet but God is calling you to take it. And if it was easy, you would have already done it. But I know this, if you could hit stop and fast forward on your life right now, fast forward to a year from now, you would wish that in this moment here this morning, you had taken that step that God was calling you to take. I would go a step further and say that a month from now, you would look back on this day, December the 1st, 2013, and you would say that that I took that step I'm so glad I took it on that day. I would even say a week from now, on December the 8th, next Sunday morning, you'll be thankful that you took that step today because God has a step for you to take. He's challenging you this morning to take it, to walk upon the water, to keep your eyes upon Jesus. You know, it's not necessary to have every step laid out that God wants you to take. You don't have to know the whole story. You don't have to know the whole picture. You don't have to see every step. 
You know, I love the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Check them out on the screen. He says, faith is taking the first step even when you can't see the whole staircase. Faith is taking the first step even when you can't see the whole staircase. Isn't that great? God wants you to take a first step here today. What is that next step that God is asking you to take? Take it. What I know from my life and others who've trusted Jesus to take those steps is as you do, He'll give you just enough light to see that next step. It's like a person walking down a trail with a flashlight. They can't see the end of the trail, but they can see the next few steps. And as they take those steps, that light will shine a little further for them to see a little bit further. So by God's leading, discover the steps that you're supposed to take here this morning to be closer to Jesus and get out of the boat and take those steps. The third and final thing you need to do in order to take these faith-filled steps that God loves to see, is trust and obey. Trust and obey. You know, I grew up in a Methodist church in West Texas, and we used to sing an old hymn called Trust and Obey. You may or may not be familiar with it, but it goes like this. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Now, here's one thing I know after singing those words many years and and knowing them and and going to them in my mind, we all know it's very easy to sing those words, but it's really hard to live them. It's hard to live those words, isn't it? In the middle of those moments, the day-to-day grind of life, when the challenges hit, it's hard to trust and obey. We want to go our own way instead of the path he has laid out for us. But the truth is, and I want you to see this on the screen In the midst of every step that we take, God is looking his children in the eyes and he's saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Now maybe as a parent or a grandparent, you've had a moment similar to this picture on the screen where a father or mother has their arms out and the child is standing there on the couch or table or whatever it may be with their arms like this and you have that eye to eye moment and you say, come on, you can trust me jump and the child kind of looks fearful at at first and then they they muster up just enough courage to leave the safety and security of that couch or table or chair or whatever it may be and jump into the arms of that loving parent or grandparent you know what they do right after that because they've trusted and they've learned that that person's trustworthy again again let's do it again God is calling many of us this morning to jump. Maybe it's been a long time since you jumped. Maybe it's been a long time since you've even held your arms out towards that loving father. He's calling you to do that. He's calling you to walk his way, to trust him, to obey what he's asking you to do. We've been talking about getting out of the boat here this morning. So a question for you. What's your boat? I'm not talking about the one parked in the driveway or the garage or sitting at the marina. What's your boat in your life that holds you back? Your boat is whatever represents safety and security in your life apart from God. Whatever that is. Your boat is whatever you're tempted to put your trust and your faith in, especially when the waves of life get choppy. Your boat is whatever keeps you so comfortable that you don't want to give it up. That's your boat. For Tom, his, his boat is his daily work. 
You see, he's been stuck at a dead-end job for years, and he's afraid that he's missed his calling, but he can't leave now. He can't do what he's called to do at this point. I mean, he's, he's put in 15 years. Man. For Kathy, it's a, a relationship she's been involved in for as long as she can remember, but it's with a guy who's making poor choices. Only she's not sure how to talk to him about it. She doesn't know what to do. For Bill, it's secrecy. He's struggling with a gambling problem, and he adamantly denies this whenever he's, he's confronted or anyone asks about it. He keeps it in secret. So what's your boat? What is it for you? In what area of life are you shrinking back from fully and courageously trusting God? Uh, by the way, church, your fear will help you figure this one out. And leaving it just may be the hardest thing you've done in a long, long time. But if you want to walk on that water, you've got to get out of the boat. You've got to get out of the safety and security of those things that we put before God so many times. So what's it going to be for you this Christmas season? The boat or the water? Living with steps you've already taken with God or trusting him to guide you as you take a step of faith? I want to end this morning with these words from what author Greg Lavoie calls the common cold of the soul. Listen to these and follow along with me. He writes, To sinful patterns of behavior that never get confronted and changed, abilities and gifts that never get cultivated and deployed, until weeks become months and months turn into years, and one day you're looking back on a life of deep, honest conversations you never had, great Bold prayers you never prayed, exhilarating risk you never took, sacrificial gifts that you never offered, lives that you never touched. And you're sitting in a recliner with a shriveled soul and forgotten dreams, and you realize there was a world of desperate need and a great God calling you to be something bigger than yourself. You see the person you could have become but did not. You never followed your calling because you never got out of the boat. Powerful words. Powerful. And we can grab so much insight from that this morning. So what's it going to be? What's it going to be for you? Get up and do something to take a step of faith and invite spiritual growth today? Or sit back in a recliner talking and planning all the spiritual steps that you're going to take someday? I want to challenge you this morning, church, to exchange someday for today. The choice is yours. No one can make it for you. But ultimately, your spiritual journey is defined by the steps that you take with God along the way. And I firmly believe with all my heart that God loves when his children take faith-filled steps in his direction. In fact, I think these steps are one of his favorite things. There's nothing greater you could do today than take one of these steps towards him. So how do we take them? We ask for a second helping of faith every day. We walk his way, and we trust and obey. Not only does it take eyes of faith to see Jesus, we need a second helping of that faith to walk his way and take steps in his direction, especially when he's calling us to walk upon the water. In the midst of every step we take, God looks his children straight in the eye, and he asks, do you trust me? Do you trust me? So do you? This morning, you can. Stand up with me, let's pray.
Lord, give us faith today. Increase our ability to see you. I ask that we would all have eyes to see you, Jesus, and faith to walk in your direction. Lord, help us to get out of the boat and take the steps that you're asking us to take today. You know, I believe there are some all across this room here this morning who need to take an important step to you right now. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to trust you and by faith to walk in your direction. You know, maybe all across this room, you're standing right now and it's hard for you to take a step of faith and get out of the boat with Jesus because you haven't taken the first and most important step of deciding to follow Jesus and surrender your life to him. One thing I know, the first step of any journey is the most important. You've got to start. You've got to start that journey to continue taking steps to where God wants you to be. And in a week, a month, a year from now, maybe you'll look back on this moment right here this morning, December the 1st, 2013, and say, that was my moment. That's when I trusted Jesus. That's when I took a step and grabbed his hand and decided to follow Jesus. Now, church, all across this room, I ask you to pray this bold prayer out loud, maybe for the first time or maybe for the hundredth time. Pray this after me, church. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Say that. And I'm separated from God. But thank you for saving me. Lord Jesus, I trust you. And I ask for the faith to see you today. And the boldness to follow you. No matter where you may lead. In Jesus' name. Amen.